Hey, Jill. You know them old sugar daddy. They be tricking their tell them girls. I said you can have whatever you like. I said you can have whatever you like. What's up, everybody, and welcome into the Under the Hood podcast on this Saturday morning. I'm Jonathan Hood. Every Saturday, I like to check in with you. Hope all is well with you and your family. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, twitter.com, tweetjhood, Instagram, igjhood, on Snapchat, snapjhood, and hear me with David Kaplan every morning between 7 and 10 on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app as I'm Sitting here at um, 7 o'clock in the morning, getting ready for another edition of Chicago's College Tailgate. If you're a college football fan or know someone that's a college football fan, uh, make sure they check in with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, and yours truly. uh, As before every Notre Dame game, we're on for a couple hours talking college football. It's um, something that we really enjoy doing. I know I enjoy doing it because I'm a big college football fan and so does Chris and Adam so hope you check in you could follow the show by the way at ESPN 1000 CCT for Chicago's college tailgate I'm playing TI you know when you get up early in the morning you're driving into work you just turn on a station and just some songs because I've been hearing a lot of um, as I guess it's uh, LL Cool J's Station on Sirius XM. I heard uh, Jodeci, you and I. That gave me some flashbacks. <laughs> that gave me some flashbacks back in the day. A little slow dance on the uh, on the dance floor years and years ago. Uh, but just some of these some of these songs, man, just brings back memories. Even Ti, even preachy Ti. Uh, but glad that you're with me here. As always, I'd like to check in with you, as I mentioned. Had an interesting week on Captain J. Hood. Um, this is a week where we got a chance to talk about the um, Steve Bartman story. Everyone knows Steve Bartman, the guy, was one of two or three fans that interfered with the baseball back when the uh, Chicago Cubs were possibly going to get to the World Series, possibly get over the hump with Dusty Baker as a manager. And, of course, everybody blamed um, Steve Barber instead of blaming Alex Gonzalez, the guy who 
bobbled the baseball over at shortstop. And of course, you gotta always blame it on the goat, blame it on a fan instead of blaming it on the ineptitude of a baseball team. But I remember that very well. That was interesting. Um, so we had Wayne Dre's on who was covering Steve Bartman for ESPN. Dude went to his job. I don't want to say stalked, but it probably felt that way to Bartman. Like Wayne Dre's in the uh, parking garage where Steve Bartman worked and just went up to him like, here, here's my business card. Love to talk to you about what happened at Wrigley Field. And, you know, that, that had to be scary for Steve Bartman. But that is interesting to me, the whole Bartman thing, only in this regard. So dude still, I don't know if people exactly know where Steve Bartman is, if he still lives in Chicago or where he is, but that is really the white whale when it comes to interviews, right? right? The Cubs have had success since that time. They won the World Series, had sustained success with uh, Theo Epstein. But boy, that's interesting to me. That's the interview that everyone wants. What was going through Steve Bartman's mind? You think in a documentary, someone would throw like a million dollars at this guy, but he just, he's in obscurity. And I think that that is, that's very interesting. Um, we're counting our time down for the Bears. They take on Carolina. Um, I tell you what, if the Bears don't beat Carolina, then I'm not sure who they can beat. Uh, I am not convinced offensively that this team is good enough to be able to um, to be able to beat a lot of teams this year in the NFL. Uh, because we've seen a quarterback change, we know that Allen Robinson's solid, but now it's up to these other guys to step up. It's time for the offense to step up, too. I mean, think about it. Matt Nagy comes in from Kansas City, right? He comes in as someone that worked with Andy Reid at Kansas City. And he has all these grandiose, big ideas about what an offense should look like. And that's cool. I mean, look, my lifetime as a Bears fan has always been about defense. And in an offensive league, you got to find an identity. And it's just crazy to me. All these years of watching good or great defenses but have not been able to find an offense that looks like everybody else in the National Football League, especially over the last 10 years. Referees are throwing flags to make sure that offenses are able to score something, a field goal, touchdown. They, I mean, to me, it is hard for me every Sunday to watch the National Football League. I watch the Bears because I have to and because I'm a Bears fan. So I'll watch that. But just kind of watching the NFL, the way it's officiated, it's brutal. It, it really is. Like defensive players, they cannot be as aggressive because of the perceived pain that the defensive players are putting on quarterbacks or running backs. They put a hard hit on somebody and it just, it looks devastating. Oh, that's gotta be a flag. It's just nonsense, man. It's hard to watch. And I don't get that on my college football Saturdays. So, you know, this Sunday we'll tell a great story about the bears offense. What kind of offensive production will they have against Carolina? Uh, it'll be the first time, by the way, the Bears will play in front of fans. I'm sitting there doing the show Friday with Kaplan, and I'm thinking, and I'm kind of going through it and looking at Carolina, and I'm thinking, wait, all the states in this country, um, which states can have fans? And I'm like, well, not definitely not in the Midwest, not in Minnesota, not in Green Bay, not in Detroit, not here in Chicago. And I thought about it, I'm like, wait. Maybe the Atlantic Coast. Because I believe that we saw fans at Clemson, so why wouldn't there be fans in Charlotte, like in the Carolinas, right? 
And so we had Jake DeLome on, who was a longtime quarterback for Carolina. He does color for the um, Carolina Panthers. And I asked him, I said, what kind, of, what kind of crowd are you getting? He goes, oh, about 6,000 fans. So it'll be the first time this year the Bears will perform in front of fans. So that'll be interesting, I'm sure, for the team. So, you know, from Jeff Dickerson to Dan Wiederer, Albert Breer, who's really good with us every Tuesday, really enjoy our football content. I hope that you are as well. And I hope that you give me feedback. If there's something that you don't like or something that you do like, make sure you give us feedback. You know, this is, again, a relatively new show. We started on August 17th, and we just want to get better um, as a as a combination and give you what you want as a listener. So instead of just lashing out help or encourage or somewhere in between so we know the direction of the show because we want to get this right we want to be unique we talk about this in meetings all the time you know pulling back the curtain we'll tell you we talk about this all the time but we have to be able to give you what you want as a listener and so you have to let us know like if there's something we're missing or something that you like we'll do more of and and ultimately it is trying to give you more of the good stuff and, and less of the bad stuff <laughs> simply put you know when we do a radio show so we're working on it uh every single day we hope that you're enjoying the show or at least listening and supporting i know i appreciate it and i know uh david does as well um i was thinking about um jeff dickerson my partner we've been knowing each other jeff and i have known each other for well over 20 years um, we worked together at the score uh, as producers. I was an executive producer. He just got a, he was fresh out of college. And we worked together as producers together on some shows. Um, and he was at ESPN before I was at ESPN 1000. We uh, have been doing a national radio show together for, I believe, next year will be five years for us. I believe it's going to be five years for Dickerson and Hood and uh, on ESPN radio. And um, we are the second longest running show on the network. The first one will be Darian Mel. And the second one would be us, Dickerson and Hood. So we're the second longest running tenured radio show on the network. And, uh, and our show is seasonal. We're not on um, every weekend. Um, should I even tell you? Should I, should I even break this down even further? <laughs> like, so, so okay, for my schedule from January to September, I'm doing network radio with JD. And then in September, I do the college show with Adam and Chris. And our assignments are not as prevalent on the network on on the fall because Jeff's got to cover the Bears and I'm doing this college show for ESP 1000 so you don't hear us on the network very often between September and December and then we reconvene usually in January and do eight or nine months of national radio but the point is though is that we've been together for a long time and I can I know the pain that he has um when he talked on Friday morning with us about uh Vaughn McClure Vaughn McClure, for those that don't know, passed away at the age of 48, longtime writer uh, for in Chicago, covering the Bears, and he's from Chicago. He's covered the Atlanta Falcons for the last few years for NFL Nation on ESPN.com, and uh, Jeff and Vaughn were close. Uh, Jeff knew Vaughn from when he was covering the, when they were covering the Bears together, then Vaughn got the job covering the Atlanta Falcons, and um, oddly enough, the last time I saw Vaughn McClure, Terrific writer, great guy, 
was at JD's wife's funeral and we sat next to one another and just, you know, cried, obviously hugged one another. And, um, it was, it was sad. It really was to, um, hear, you know, see Vaughn in that way. And I guess how I was as well, the emotions were flowing because we felt so bad for JD losing his wife to cancer. And, uh, as the last time I saw Vaughn in person, um, we've had him on shows before talking about the Atlanta Falcons and, you know, and so, but just always an affable guy. And I really feel badly and sad, but I know it hurt JD badly because I know that they were really close friends and um, for him to just pass away, that's tough. So, you know, all the best to Vaughn McClure and his family uh, during this very difficult time. But uh, I was, yeah, I know I could hear JD and, and kind of texted with him a little bit about it. You know, he's just devastated. And I think many of us are uh, when it comes to uh, Vaughn McClure's passing. Um, as I uh, clumsily a segue back to the Bears and their game against the Panthers. A couple of notes for you. Nick Foles is 1-1 one one as a starter since replacing Mitch Trubisky, as we all know, right? But check this out. Foles has a lower total quarterback rating at 45 and fewer yards per attempt 6 than Trubisky this season. So even though Nick Foles is 1-1 one one as a starter, some of the numbers kind of favor Trubisky. Uh, so far, so so we'll see. This will be interesting. Uh, the Panthers are three and zero since losing Christian McCaffrey to an injury. Mike Davis is a former Bear. He runs the football very well um, for the Panthers. While McCaffrey's been out, so there's a lot of keys to this. But the Bears are four and one. Opportunity to go five and one this uh, this season. If they go five and one, now it's the Rams. Now it's the Saints. Now it's the Tennessee. You know, it, these are winnable. A couple of those games are winnable, but it all depends on how they fare offensively. I know Lewis, Lewis Riddick was on with uh, Waddle and Sylvie a couple of days ago and said that there's really no offensive identity outside of Robinson. And uh, so that's a problem, and that's got to get better moving forward. You cannot win with defense alone. This is not the 2000 Ravens. This is not the uh, old six Bears. You've got to be able to have some kind of offense, and the Bears should be better offensively. But we'll see on Sunday. So that's what it comes down to. Um, Oh, the Tony La Russa thing was big this week as well, right? Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa should not be the manager for the White Sox. And I'm not trying to be ageist. What I'm saying is, is that Tony La Russa is a guy that uh, managed one. This is the first manager I remember as a kid, actually. As a White Sox fan, that was the first manager I remember. I remember the White Sox as a 11-year-old going to the playoffs, winning the division. And La Russa was a manager during that time. And that was a long, long time ago. And he's been in the game. He's a Hall of Famer. There's no question. The point is, though, is that the game has changed. And, and you know, again, we had a couple of terrific guests talking about La Russa, talking about baseball. Uh, Jim Bowden, former GM in the league, uh, has a show on Sirius XM now. And and he said that yeah, La Russa's, you know, a fine manager, but he hasn't been around since 2011, 2012. It's ridiculous. Um, it, to me... Yeah, you give him the respect for everything that he's done as a Hall of Fame manager, everything he's done. But it's really about A.J. Hinch getting a second opportunity. 
I think it's about Cora. I think it's about uh, Sandy Alomar and giving someone else an opportunity. Rick Renneria needs to go. The way he was mishandling that bullpen, him and Don Cooper, you know, you have a young core here where the window's open for this team to win and get to the playoffs year after year just based on the power that this team has offensively. So, that, you know, those are the things I look at. Like, the LaRusa controversy is almost a smokescreen for whatever reason, and I don't know why his name's been propped up. If he was hot, he'd be a manager someplace else. I know he used to play, he used to be the manager for the Sox, but does Reinsdorf want to fire his friend again? It already happened once. Now, could you, does, do you do it twice? That's the thing. As I mentioned, I'm so glad that uh, you're listening to our podcast. We're here every weekend just checking in, saying what's up to you. Um, there's a big fight that's going to take place on Saturday that I want to talk to my friend Ray Flores about. I hope that you're going to watch Saturday. Uh, let me review this. I'm going to call Ray and get his thoughts on this big fight that's going to take place. wonder who's going to win. Let me f- call Ray and find out. And there he is, ladies and gentlemen. He's our combat sports expert, Ray Flores. Whether it's boxing, MMA, pro wrestling, I can always go to Ray and depend on him. Big fight this weekend, Lomachenko and Lopez on ESPN. And we turn to Ray right now on the Otherhood Podcast. Hello, Ray. Jonathan, always a pleasure, my man. It's great to be back in the greatest city in the world. It's unbelievable. You're back in the city. You just couldn't stay away. That's right. I mean, after two years, I missed it. Lo and behold, look at how the Bears are doing. So I don't know if there's any correlation, but <laughs> nonetheless, I'm yeah. very happy to be able to be immersed in all this. Yeah, so. you, you but went, I know we got some fights to talk about. Yeah, you went away for two years, and the offense is still the same. <laughs> yeah, true. So true. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting, man. This is interesting. Uh, Lomachenko and Lopez. What do you think of, uh, first of all, I'll ask you about Lomachenko, 14-1 and with a uh, 10 by knockout. What do you think of him uh, as arguably maybe one of the greatest amateur boxers in history? I agree with that statement, Jonathan. This guy is unbelievable. I mean, his footwork, his speed, his power, his reflexes, he has the complete package. He's very cerebral. You and I are both fans of sports entertainment. And they call Triple H the cerebral assassin. And much like Vasily Lomachenko, he's so calculated. He has ice water in his veins. And this guy is just so good. And he thinks two or three steps ahead of his opponents. He mentioned during the pre-fight press conference with Joe Tessitore that he's playing chess inside that ring. And I believe him. But boy, oh boy, does he have a tall task tonight. All right, so uh, on Lopez on the other side, 15-0, 12 by knockout. What stands out about uh, a guy that has somewhat of a flashy style? Well, he's athletic, Jonathan. He has an 80% knockout percentage. He blew right through Richard Comey last December, which nobody's been able to do that to Richard Comey. I've seen Richard Comey fight the likes of Robert Easter Jr. and a couple of other top-level fighters, and he doesn't get blown out that way. And Lopez put him out. So Lopez is a guy at 23 years of age. They moved him along quickly. He's only 15-0 and 0 with 12 knockouts. But I know his management team and those around him. I saw him in Las Vegas during Wilder Fury 2 week. That was back on February 22nd. And he was enjoying the adulation from the fans. And But this kid knows that he could be something very special. But in order for him to get to that point of being truly special, he's got to get past the most diff- one of the most difficult fighters in the world today. 
you know, it's interesting the dichotomy between these two, Ray, because you got a 32-year-old Lomachenko veteran guy and a kid like Lopez. So this this is why these it's not just about style for me. The storyline is is about a veteran like Lomachenko versus someone that's a young and upcoming fighter like Lopez. Like who wins out in that? Because there's a lot of experience versus a guy that's 23 that's got. You know, they, they and they both have just 15 pro fights apiece, but does the age come into a factor? I would think so, Jonathan. I've seen a lot of people that have related this fight to when Canelo Alvarez fought Floyd Mayweather back in September of 2013. I also have seen people sort of compare it to when Fernando Vargas went up and, and fought Oscar De La Hoya when Fernando Vargas uh, following his loss to Felix Trinidad. I think it all depends on if Lomachenko can handle the athleticism of Teofimo Lopez because people have said at 32 years of age that Lomachenko has lost the step. I'm not ready to believe that just yet, but I do know that Teofimo Lopez can crack and he's athletic. The one thing you cannot prepare for inside the ring is someone's athleticism. And I truly do believe, Jonathan, that Lopez has enough boxing skill but his athleticism is going to be that X factor, in my opinion. Now, will Lopez leave himself susceptible to get blasted? The answer is yes. But I think that he has a strong enough chin to be able to deal with Lomachenko and start to force it and make it a physical fight. How about this? If if this goes the distance, Lomachenko wins on the scorecards. If Or... The other side of it is Lopez can maybe get him out in about four or five, maybe six, uh, because of speed, because of the ability for TKO. How, how do you see it? Because if it's going to go past six or seven, I'm thinking Lomachenko is going to win the fight. I would agree with you, Jonathan. I mean, look, I could see also a late stoppage for, for Teofimo, but the whole thing is, is that you mentioned it. If Lomachenko is going to win this fight, I would be shocked if Lomachenko stops Teofimo Lopez, if he does, man, oh, man, that is talking some major legacy history written stuff about Lomachenko. But Lomachenko needs to take this into deep waters, get it to seven or eight, build up a couple rounds, get a nice early lead, and then have, have Lopez start to doubt himself and start to take unnecessary chances. If you're Teofimo Lopez, you need to catch Lomachenko in the third or fourth round or at any point of the fight. But I think in, in what you're saying is he's got to catch him early yeah. because as a younger fighter, you start – it's a mental game. If Lopez is down 8-2 to two heading into that 11th round, then you start to take those crazy chances and you start to think outside the box in a way that isn't intelligent. The early part of the fight is going to be so key for Teofimo Lopez. And if he has Lomachenko rock, he better swarm him, he better blast him, and he better hope the referee pulls him off of him because I think that's his best route to victory. Ray, what do you think of the undercard? Look, the fight that I'm looking forward to is Edgar Berlanga and Lanell Bellows. I think that's going to be a really interesting fight because Berlanga has been wiping out people left and right. He's a Puerto Rican fighter that's based in New York. And Lanell Bellows is one of those guys that he's been around for a while. He has a couple losses, but that's a good barometer for Edgar Berlanga. People believe that Berlanga can be the next young sensation from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico right now only has one world champion right now. So they're looking for that next big star. And can Berlanga be that one? A big stage like this, lo and behold, I think he gets that opportunity. 
So Lomachenko Lopez, the undercards that start at 6.30 Chicago time on ESPN right into the fight. Is this a fight worth paying for, Ray? Like, when I first saw that this was the bottom, like, oh, it's not a pay-per-view. This is going to be just on good old ESPN. Would this be something that would be pay-per-view worthy, or is this fine for television? No, I, I think it is absolutely pay-per-view worthy. I think that's why it's getting as much attention as it is, Jonathan. I mean, look, this is one of the first big fights I haven't worked in a long, long time because it's top rank, it's ESPN. I'm excited to watch it because this is two of the best fighters in their weight class going at it. Lomachenko hasn't lost a step, in my opinion. They're both in their primes. I mean, well, Lomachenko's in his prime. Teofimo Lopez, that's still debatable. But the fact is, is that this kid at 23 years of age, he has all the makings of being something special. They're both trained by their fathers. They both have unique training styles. And they both don't like each other. And it's just general disdain. They both want to prove that they are the best in the world at what they do. And tonight, we get that opportunity front and center. The only thing that saddens me, Jonathan, is that, it, I mean, I'm glad that first responders are going to be in the convention center, 250 people, but this fight should have been at Madison Square Garden on Memorial Day weekend yeah. with 20,000 people. I mean, that's where it belongs. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be on, on ESPN, Lomachenko Lopez. Uh, I will ask you about the boxing of the coverage that you've had during this COVID-19. Tell me, the obviously with no crowd, but tell me any differences that you have noticed as far as uh, having boxing and UFC cards during this COVID-19. What have you noticed? Well, what I've noticed is that they put us under wraps. And what I mean by that is that I have literally been in probably 10 or 11 bubbles since this whole thing began. And, and I mean, it's very similar to the NBA bubble. You go into a hotel room or in a hotel, private entrance, you have to get a wristband on you to show that you've been tested. And then you have to be quarantined until your results come back negative. Your food's delivered to your door. Uh, you know, it, it's been fine. It's been okay. But I mean, it's not the same like how it used to be. Not having fans and, and having an empty arena. It's just very different, Jonathan. It, it makes me, I'm happy that we're working and the fighters are being able to apply their craft. But it also makes me sad because the fans are what drive combat sports more than any other sport in the world, in my opinion. And not having fans in attendance has been sad. But October 31st at the Alamo Dome, social distancing for fans, which Ravante Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, and then we'll be at AT&T Stadium December 5th for Danny Garcia, Errol Spence at Jerry World with limited fans as well. So thankfully they are coming back, not what we are typically used to, but at the end of the day, we have to maintain the safety of the fighters and those that are around. So, you know, first and foremost. Well, damn, at the Alamo Dome, that that's a huge place. You can, you can still put, like, what, um, maybe four or 5,000 people in there, and they can have their own section. Yeah, literally. They're going to have 12,000 <laughs> people is what they have allocated for uh, Halloween night down there. And then I think another twelve to 15,000 on December 5th for Danny Garcia and Errol Spence at AT&T Stadium. So it's going to be a very interesting and a unique you know, event, Jonathan. But at the end of the day, I'm just glad some fans are being able to enjoy this stuff. All right, Ray, lastly, and I appreciate your time. It's time for peace and love, man. You spent a couple of years in, in Santa Monica. You got soft, so you came back to Chicago <laughs> to get to get strong again, get some of that winter blood going. So, I mean, peace and love to Teddy Atlas. Are you guys going to make oh, up or not? come on. Are you going to make come up? Come on. No? I mean, no, absolutely not. This guy... <laughs> 
has constantly downgraded and, and just disrespected the sport that made him millions of dollars. I'm all about peace and love, Jonathan. Yes. But when it comes to a sport that I love, that I'm around on a daily basis, and I have this old guy, and I'm okay with old people. I love them all. Yeah, I love all kinds of people. Yeah, like but me. To have this, like, like you, I mean, well, you're not old. The most <laughs> young. But to have this guy who made millions of dollars on boxing and now to go ahead and talk about the UFC like it is the be-all, end-all, and it's all holy and almighty, it's like there are problems in every single sport across the board. So stop saying that boxing is so this and it's that, whatever. You made millions of dollars doing that, and you weren't as vocal when you were making those millions of dollars. Last time I checked, he's off the air, and now he wants to go ahead and point the finger. It's like covering the NFL for 30 years. You're away from it for two years and now saying, don't watch the NFL. Watch pro hockey. That's what you need to watch. Forget the NFL. Give me a break, Teddy. And I'm going to call him to the table. And when I see him or whatever, if I see him, I'm like, yeah, I don't agree with your opinion. I think you're wrong. And here's why. A, B, C, D. I could go through the entire alphabet, Jonathan. I will not get off of my stance because I'm tired of the old guard trying to bury the sport that made them millions upon millions of dollars, Jonathan. I understand. Well, how about Stephen A? Will you get make up with Stephen A. Smith? I, you, you know, I mean, I did. You know, Stephen A is okay as long as he doesn't get out of pocket and start calling any professional fighter fat because, listen, the heavyweight champion of the world and Andy Ruiz, former heavyweight champion of the world, I don't care if, what, if you don't agree with his aesthetics. Bottom line is that he's a bad, bad boy and to call him fat, it's like, when was the last time Stephen A. Smith was in a fist fight? Oh, I forgot, never. So oh. he needs to button it a little bit. Otherwise, I mean, if he wants a charity boxing match, then I'm all about it, my man. Oh, Let's make it happen. I don't want. I don't want you fighting anybody. Let's not do that. <laughs> What's the matter with you? You're just. There's supposed to be peace and love in the community, in the combat sports community. You're gonna fight next, Jim Ross. You. Hey, look, look, I'm all about peace and love, but let's be positive. When all these negative people start coming around my sport, and yeah, I'm going to say my sport because I love it. Teddy Atlas has been away from it for a long time. It's like, get out of here. It's time for the new generation, Jonathan, similar to that of pro wrestling back in the 90s. Time for the old guard to go bye-bye and the new generation to step up and take the reins of this thing. So I'm very excited for the future of boxing. All right. Well, I had a Jim Lampley question, so I won't ask you that. Well, well I love Lamps. Lamps is the, the GOAT. That's a fact. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. We put him to the side. Because I was going to ask you, have you heard, like, HBO, without having boxing HBO, it's, it is uh, – it's kind of sad because, like, Showtime is doing well and digital platforms across the country, as you well know, Fox doing a great job with boxing. I just, it just feels a little hollow without Lampley calling something when it comes to boxing. Jonathan, I'm glad you mentioned that because to me, Jim Lampley is the greatest play by play man for boxing of all time. What he was able to do alongside Larry Merchant is legendary. And that's why I'm so vocal about being you know so aware and, and ready on the microphone when i do call fights because jim lampley set the bar for the younger generation like myself and what he was able to do the way he articulated fights his passion his emotion his attention to storytelling is something that i hope to be one quarter of what he was able to accomplish by the time my career is over jim lampley is missing from boxing but lo and behold his his stamp and his legacy will for always be remembered well, my friend, I just want to reach out to you. Uh, it's been a while, but it was a. It's going to be an interesting fight on Saturday, so I want to get your perspective. So, as always, I appreciate it. 
I appreciate it as always, Jonathan. Have a great one, my man. And uh, just make sure to feed those alligators, my man. They're hungry too, you know, with the uh, moat and everything. So make sure to handle all that as well. I will. It's, uh, don't fight anybody. I, I, uh, don't <laughs> yeah. fight anybody. I'm going to have to have some bail money right here just in case in a, in a separate drawer unless you need, if you need me to bail you out. <laughs> no, I'm all good, Jonathan. The only thing I'll do is charity. But other than that, I'm all good. Everything's peace and love, my man. <laughs> okay, man. Well, thank you as always. Stacks on big, control no ice. We can pop bottles all night, baby.